Hey there film fans and welcome to another episode of The Real Take and we are excited as there is a fourth among us. Yes, we have another special guest for you this week, a man who is no stranger to the airwaves. You will have heard him on LMFM Radio, the best of all local radio stations, KFM, East Coast Radio and 8radio.com, brightening up weekends and Tuesday nights with his excellent music choices and fun banter. He's a man who knows a good meme when he sees one. My favourite being Hannibal Lecter standing among empty shelves at the supermarket with the phrase, if the food runs out, we always have each other. So prevalent for the times we're living in. This and so many others can be found on his extremely well-followed Facebook page. When he's not posting memes or presenting on radio, he is a busy stay-at-home dad who's currently trying to not lose his shit as he homeschools his two boys during the current <laughs> lockdown. I am so delighted to have radio presenter and huge film fan Jason Collins with us. And he has chosen a heck of a movie as his film of choice to discuss this evening. The ultimate blockbuster. So without further ado, Jason... Care to do the honours? This is Jason Collins, radio presenter with East Coast FM and 8 Radio. You are listening to The Real Take, the podcast by film fans for film fans. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's The Real Take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Talking movies. Ah, fantastic. Welcome, Jason. Right. Welcome, welcome. And of course, <laughs> Niall and Ross are here. The four of us are here, and I think we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> I think I think it'll be a lovely break for Jason, you know, dealing with two unruly children to deal with myself and Ross. <laughs> they were really the, they were the warm up for this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> how is how is it all going, Jason? You know, you got it. You've got the stay at home dad thing down to a fine art mm. as well as being on the radio. But that. how is it going now with the with the whole homeschooling situation? Well, probably as you as you can expect, good and bad, the good, the bad and the ugly. So, you know, <laughs> the shouting here and there, you know, and that's just from the kids. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's going it's going all right. You know, I will, you know, be delighted when schooling starts back and that they can go back. And I think they would, too. Um, somebody was asking them, we, we'd be out walking and the, the neighbours and the people around the communities, like they're always saying, so how's the homeschooling going? And, you know, one of them, the oldest lad, he's really polite. You know, he'll say, oh, great, yeah. And they'll go, is your dad any good? And he'll go, yeah. But the young lad will just tell the truth. He goes, he's all right. He's all right. He gets a bit, he gets a bit angry, you know. <laughs> so that's, that's well, how it's going. That's just what happens when me and Ross go out for a walk and people ask us <laughs> what we think of Sinead. What? <laughs> How very dare you. <laughs> uh, but you know, Jason, although you've worked in LMFM, the best radio mm. station around, uh, where I work, and we talk a good bit on social media, we have never yeah. actually met face to face, which is a bit weird, isn't that's, it? That's actually weird, isn't it? That's bananas. Um, I would have thought maybe um, uh, one of the kind of going away do's, but maybe you weren't. I remember I was at Mary, Alfred Mary, who used to be on reception, and I remember she had a going away do, but I... I can't remember. Actually, I can't remember. It's so long ago now. Good going away, do was it? Good going away, do yeah. It was about. It was. It was a. It was a nice time. It's just probably what about three years ago now at this stage. Uh, yeah, three four years ago. Because you yeah. see, I think I was on maternity leave, and another fella. Oh, ah. he was really bad. He was doing my job at the time. Oh, I can't think of his name. <laughs> Begins with Ross. Is it? I don't know. It uh, anyway, the the it's about the time the ratings went up, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> he was forgettable. He was forgettable. That guy. Um, if but, you've uh, just joined us, you're listening to LMFM chat. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you know, you left a pretty safe career, let's say, in sales. Yeah 
for the for the glitz and glamour of radio. Uh, what on earth lured you into this incredible unsteady career? <laughs> well, that's a sixty-four thousand dollar question, isn't it? Well, I was always firstly into music and radio from a long, long time ago. You know, I probably should have came straight out of school and went into that, but I didn't really know, you know, a way to do it, and um, it wasn't really something that was kind of uh, pushed in the school. You know, any mm. kind of. Uh, anything creative or, or even drama like there was no drama in the school I was in like you know God God forbid so I never really thought of that as a as a kind of a, a way to go and then I ended up doing a computer course after school didn't like that then I ended up in sales and I was good at that you know you can uh, you can talk and talk and you know you can always win people around if you have half a brain in your head and, but then I ended up doing that for a good long while and after a while just I reached a kind of a burnout point with it and I'd done different kind of sales as well I'd gone from uh, selling advertising sales to selling uh, like um, uh, working for a digital marketing company selling kind of web uh, products and, and stuff like that and that mm. was actually interesting because that fed into stuff later on that I, I find useful now but at some point I just said I'm going to try something different so before the radio courses that I did I did a photography course for a year and I got a diploma in that and that was hardcore that was three nights a week while I was working full time and got my, got my thing but by the end of it I went you know what I like photography, but it isn't the thing I want to do as a as as a as a new vocation. Um, it was my wife actually who had said to me. She said, "You've always loved radio. You know why are you not going? Why why don't you do a radio course and just say?" So at that point, I kind of had a look to see what radio courses were out there. I was still working, so I couldn't go and do a full time one. Otherwise, I would have ended up uh, maybe going to Ballyfermot or something like that. But what I did then was I looked around and ended up doing the Today FM one uh, one evening a week for mm. sixteen, seventeen weeks, and then. That got me in the door to KFM. KFM got me in the door to LMFM. Then I started doing the Saturday breakfast show and then I started covering the Country Express show. And then that kind of led on to 8 Radio and then East Coast. So I'm a bit of a radio whore now. You (laughs) You like to spread the love. That's what you mean. Yeah. The great thing about East Coast as well is it opened the door for the Real Take podcast to guest star as well, which is There you go. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I was going to say it was his incredibly clever memes that, uh, you know, attracted our attention. But um, so was your first radio gig then on KFM or do you remember the very first one? Sorry, I'm lying. I'm lying, actually, even before that, a step before that. So when I when I was finishing up the Today FM course, I was getting on well with the guys who were running it, and um, uh, I said, "Look, what can I do now? You know, so obviously you can't just jump onto radio straight away, and um, you've got to you know do some work experience or whatever." And they said to me, "Well, Communicore have their training station, Freak FRQ. It's an online station. It's actually within where uh, they all used to be, 98 FM and, and and all of that spin up at the Malt House. So I." At that point then, I said, okay, your man got me in. I had an interview. It went well. And uh, the guy there said, well, what would you like to do? And I said, well, look, I, um, I talked it over with my wife. And then I decided at that point I was going to go hell for leather into it. So what I actually did was stop working. And thank God my wife is so supportive on it. She said, do it as best you can. We'll see see how it goes after the year. So I ended up doing five. I was doing five shows a week in Freak, going in, wow. treating it like a proper job. And it was interesting because it was like a it was it was a very like an i radio spin kind of a station, you know, that mm. kind of music, urban and, and, and whatnot, you know. And then I was doing a sports show at the weekend with them on Saturday, like a, a triple header, like what you guys mm. do. So ah. that was interesting. I was kind of the host. I was kind of like you, Sinead, running the, running the show. You see, I'm glad that you know that that's what my role is, Jason. <laughs> Niall and Ross. Molding the talent. Molding the talent here. <laughs> <laughs> like, Real Tech Podcast doesn't have a CEO, but if it did, it no. would probably be myself. 
Oh, <laughs> we're not getting into that argument. It sounds like a whole difference. Let's let's wait for off the podcast for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that, that, that's where I went from that to KFM then, and they heard the demo and they said, "Yeah, you're good enough to come on in." So, uh, and that's how I got started with them. And you know, when you're doing your very first kind of live radio gig, you know, on a station, say like KFM, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. how are you feeling? Because there's oh, that mixture it. sort of of like, yeah, bricking it and yeah. so excited at the same time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think you summed it up. Really excited, really bricking it. And um, they were good in that they said, look, just go and do this for two or three months, and we'll give you feedback as you go. But because the thing. The thing that was the kind of the hardest thing for me was Freak was so different from KFM in terms of how you would link, how long you would link for and the types of links. On KFM, you could be talking for, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes, no problem and kind of, you know, uh, uh, being very, uh, you know, uh, general. But K- uh, the other cre- Freak were like spin, like, you know, 10, 15 second yeah. links, yeah. huge difference. Mm. So KFM, the, the chap there, Paul Power, lovely guy, the PD, he sat me down. He said, look. I'm going to give you your first ever proper air check on an FM station, you know. And he sat me down and we went through every single link of a four hour show. For, and it took about an hour and a half to do. And some of it, I was cringing, cringing because nobody likes <laughs> yeah. an, air, an air check. No, <laughs> no, they don't, you don't, you don't. And uh, but at the end of it, he goes, look, he kept on saying, um, I'll give you the good and the bad. And uh, then you'll know. And then the next time be a bit better, you know, and go yeah. forward. So, mm. and, and that's what I did. And then. Uh, a proper kind of mentor then really like proper yeah. proper yeah and you know i think i've been lucky i think i've been lucky at all the stations i've gotten some mentorship from everybody mm. and i've learned mm. something different from 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 everybody the the four the four or five different people i did some work experience down in kclr as well so it's interesting to to see what local radio stations are like you know compared to each other how they do it Oh yeah, absolutely. But the the one that I'm really jealous of, um, and a big fan of, as you know, mm. is the eight radio gig because you pretty much get to play like your ideal playlist there, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And um, I tell you what, actually, that's one of the reasons why when I wanted to get into radio, it was two kinds of radio: talk radio and also indie music radio, kind of like you know uh, Tom Dunn or or mm. um, Paul McLoon or you know Dave Fanning, that kind of stuff. So when I was finishing up in Freak I was trying to get together a demo for TXFM remember TXFM oh yes. yeah I used to listen to them yeah. all the time They're yeah pretty. yeah. so that's where that was my little path I'm going that's where I'm going and even though the music's different uh, the, uh, the, the Freak station manager was going to help me and we were going to get the, going to get the uh, demo together and then they closed then they, oh, they sent yeah. out that yeah do you remember they sent out yeah. that big kind of PR release saying uh, it's not working whatever you know we have to close and then I thought to myself well you know even though they're closing within six months of the PR release I've got to find something else there's no point in, in that being my focus now anymore mm-hmm. so but going back 8 Radio is connected to TXFM because of Simon Marr and Simon is Phantom FM so it's a, there's a direct link between the the, the same owner from the three but you know he ver- verged off from TX into into 8 Radio and they've been going I think about seven years now and it's and what you were saying actually Sinead it's great that I can pick my own music and that's brilliant but there's a lot of work in it there's a lot yeah, of yeah I'd imagine choosing like how do you choose some of the stuff and you've had you have yeah. some wicked wicked playlists on there as well there's there's some oh, really so really much. good ones that I haven't heard in in ages but have you had any like absolute feck ups on air like I've had guests that have cursed <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean like John Connors I invited him on the show live I mean what was I thinking and I says John I says John look at now just mind your P's and Q's John come on you know he absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah, turned no the air no blue completely <laughs> oh wow wow uh, yeah everybody says to me you know because at one stage I was working um the four show four the four stations 
uh, and sometimes I'd be in the four stations over the course of a week, which was nuts, you know. Mm. And people are always saying to me, "Have you said the wrong name yet?" And, uh, <laughs> that was all, people are always saying it to me. It's bound to happen sooner or later. I think more. I've had dead air. I've had stuff like that mm. before. You know, something gone. Technically, I've had. I remember when I was East Coast last year, the whole system crashed. I was trying to change a song, and oh. the system just crashed. Oh shit! I was, I was mortified. Yeah. Just crashed dead air. But they have they have a system after about seventeen seconds, another like a music playlist kicks in. Oh, to that, okay. Stop it being That's dead. a nice it's safety clever. net. Yeah. But yeah. like the worst seventeen seconds of your life, I would say oh, they yeah, count yeah. down so much. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've been there as well. I really have. Yeah. Um, it's horrible. Mm. But yeah. you know, it's the worst I think... seventeen seconds since you lost your virginity. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, well, excuse me, twenty-one seconds. <laughs> um, can I just say though, I've wasted. <laughs> I I have wasted so many hours of my life scrolling through your Facebook page. It's great. Like I've just yeah. laughed so much, and I'm supposed to be working. And what happens is I casually log on, mm-hmm. look at your page, and all of a sudden the day is gone. Like seriously, yeah, um, that's a lovely, that's a really nice thing to hear. You know, and it's. <laughs> funny because when I, when I started that it was just a kind of it was half of it was a marketing thing so I thought to myself you know how can I push myself out there uh, I'm, I'm part time as opposed to full time so I need to do something so I've just thought right I'll try and get a bit of a presence going so I, I remember the early days when it was just like two or three getting 300 likes getting to that point it yeah. was a huge big deal a huge big deal and then it kind of kicked off and then like what really helped it was I started getting competitions from people who were giving me tickets to give away and that would massively yeah. you know give boosted me, up yeah. yeah yeah but I haven't actually ran any not that there's any gigs that you could go to these days anyway mm. but then um, like you know I haven't ran a, a competition probably in about five or six months and I probably won't be rushing back um, uh, because people actually just want a good laugh it's we're in crap yeah. times and I think if you can make people if you can raise a smile it doesn't have to be a full belly laugh but if you can raise a smile you know and I get really nice messages and it's uh, it's a bit mad now it's that it's just oh, coming up to 25,000 followers. Yeah. And, uh, I saw mm, that today and I was like, which, wow, that's nuts. huge. Yeah. It's nuts, it's nuts. And I've never, not one of them are paid for it. Do you know what I mean? Like a, mm. like a, like a farm. They're, they're all real and it's mad. The odd time I'll, I'll put up a post saying, where are you from? And then the list is a bit mental because they're all over the world. And yeah. I'm not just saying like yeah. in three countries. I mean, they are everywhere. And then I get people, I've shared some stuff and, you know, they write stuff in their language. Thank God, like, Facebook will translate, but it's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. funny. Like you know, I'm going. Why well, is somebody in the Philippines? Yeah, fucking, well, yeah. it just goes to show you. It's all, it's all like you said, Sinead. It's memes and stuff like that. It's visual stuff. It's you know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to work it out. And uh, I think I've a good eye for it because you know you can share any old crap out, but I think I'm good at <laughs> making stuff that's good. You know, versus you know the you know boring kind of crap. Oh yeah. I'm happy to know you you've ended up on the Leahy family group chat a number of times. So like <laughs> I? and you know and it wasn't just for me. I've gotten them in from aunties and uncles and I'm like there. It's thinking to myself fair play Jason that's, Collins. <laughs> that's mad. Well, that's you know a what? seal of I approval. Re- that, that's a nice seal of approval. But I, yeah. I, when I remember at points I was asking people, "Oh, you know, could you share this? Could you invite some friends?" And I think mm. everybody I asked did. And you know, that's and that's probably why maybe you might have shared something for me at some point and that mm. would have, you know, just spread the net a little bit further. But it's a funny thing. Like I do the Instagram and the Twitter. I tried the TikTok. Listen, the, the you've something. done a great TikTok. <laughs> That's very appropriate for today. Seems as we're saying oh, bye yeah. bye today to, to Donald Trump. Not to completely date this episode, but you know, um, uh, you have a great one on there that people should scroll back, scroll back and find it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. I did that back in April. So like I was saying earlier on, it was just, uh, I like Sarah Cooper's um, uh, meme, or TikToks, I should say, uh, 
about Trump. And um, I said, I'll oh, give it a go. I'll give it a go. And it took a bit of, little bit of prep, but I got it all done within the course of a day. And oh, that's um, where she it, mimes over the mimes over his speeches yeah. and stuff, is it? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, she's yeah. brilliant at picking the speeches. So his one, mm. it was a brilliant one called like you know how to when you're lying about something on your CV. That's what she titled it. <laughs> and he was being asked about Bible verses, and he clearly hadn't a clue. But he's so good at evading and lying, and it was just pure comedy, like you know. And I said, that's that. That's the one for me. So then I tried to do the little hands and I got dressed up in the suit and I had a little book, you know, and, and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, it went well. Like people actually, I got a great response out of that. And my son thinks, you know, if, I, if I've done ev- anything in life, it's that I've done one TikTok that his friends like. You know yes, I mean? yeah. that is the goal that every parent wants to be cool in the eyes of their child. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it, enough about memes. I have to talk to you about robots because I did see this. Uh, now, robots. yeah, apparently you're going to be a judge on Robot Riot. Tell me about this now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you, 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 I, I'm shocked now that you're there. So, oh, uh, nothing gets by me, Jason. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know. So, uh, have you heard of Robot Riots before? It's very. Is much it like, like Robot the, Wars? Like Robot Wars? Exactly. It's, it's yes. exactly that. And the same wow. guys are involved. The same. Uh, the same people are involved in terms of the building of the robots. You know, from the. Uh, it's, there's a guy in Trinity who's a professor of robotics, and he has. I'd love to go and I've never been. He's got a lockup in Rathcool and he's got RTD2 and Ooh. he's got all of this. He's got Daleks. He's got real, real moving one, working ones because he's Class. built them. He's built them for the movies and stuff. So this is a sideline he's did. And um, we got Pally and we got on quite well. And uh, it can't, yeah, just I shared a competition for him. And that's how he said, you know what, would you like to come along and uh, would you like to come along and be a guest? So I'm waiting for the next one to start. Obviously, when events start kicking back in. But it'll be a, it'll be a funny one, won't it? Yeah, I think they, so they could cool. be the only kind of live events that we have now, robot events. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time, yeah, you're right. What do you Go look on. for in a robot? What? what? <laughs> A cool exterior. No, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah say, it's all about the looks, really. It's yeah. all about the looks, yeah. No, I would say... Uh, and whether or not they have a chainsaw. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a chainsaw, you know, or a big stabbing thing that can lift up yeah. something and throw it out the side, you know. So I went to one, I went to the one last year and... Uh, like the actual power of one of the machines it picked up the other yoke and flew it like they've got a kind of a net over the over the you know as a roof a net roof and it burst through the net it actually made oh it my god mad. yeah yeah it was a bit mad I was there going I think they want to power this one down a little bit you know <laughs> <laughs> rogue robots I love it rogue robots um, yeah, but uh, yeah, from robots to rogue sharks because then um, yeah. you tell, well, tell nice, us about like your... that nice se- segue. Oh, now you see, yeah. Ross, that's how you do it. Ross. That's, that's how a good you professional do it. segues on this professional <laughs> segues. Yeah. Well, I was trying to think of one when he said burst and shoot a net. I was like, did oh, he ever burst yeah, your yeah, net the... in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> the synapses were all firing there. Everybody. <laughs> uh, so on, tell Shed, us, sorry. tell us about your selected movie because this is the blockbuster of all blockbusters. Yeah. This is the most one of the most important movies in cinema history ever so no pressure for yeah. us <laughs> I, know, I know i was surprised that i was surprised that have you talked about it before in passing at all as it came up just oh like, it came i think in yeah. passing yeah 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 we did a blockbuster episode where we briefly talked about it it's one of those movies we could do an entire season about yeah. really yeah. yeah so that's i suppose why we haven't broached it before now well, I'm glad because here I am anyway to waffle about it to try and wax <laughs> lyrical. Um, yeah, for me, it's. I always say when people ask me what's your favourite movie, it always comes down to two or three. But I always kind of go, you know what? I'll still have to stick with Jaws because uh, it was probably it was the first movie that I saw. I was of the right age. I was 
shocked equally and stunned and just in awe of it I loved everything about it I, I thought it was just so well cast um, I thought the music was amazing so iconic and I was scared you know I was so I, this movie had such an effect on me and it still does that I wouldn't be getting in the water you know any water without yeah. kind of thinking even like you know you go into British Bay not, not a chance of, not a chance of a danger shark around but I'd still be a little bit freaked you know so that's that's how much of an effect it's had on me and, and do you remember like so. yeah oh t- mm. totally and do, do you remember like sort of when you would have seen this first so you're talking about when yeah. you were a kid or what kind of age yeah i was about um i'd say nine which um is mad because i, I wouldn't let my kids see that now you know but different times eh, with our with our mas and dads back in the 80s <laughs> so it was weird it just kind of you know not to use a shark bun but it actually slipped by in the net with my parents because <laughs> we were all we were all in the my family were having a kind of a, a get together and they had some people over I can't remember who I think probably some an uncle and aunt and maybe a cousin whatever they decided then and this was completely out of the blue and rare never happened before they'd moved the kitchen table into the sitting room and they'd extend it so that all of the everybody could sit at it and in the background was Jaws starting up on the telly and I was directly looking you know I was looking across across the table and there was the telly you know I could not watch it where everybody else obviously was having a few drinks or whatever and having the crack but I was just there watching Jaws and I could hear it enough and then that that was it so it freaked me out and I loved it got to to the point where I've had a, a lifelong love of sharks and I went cage diving and no way long, yeah and for a long while I thought well, you know when people used to ask me at school what do you want to do you know I'd always go oh maybe marine biology you know it didn't happen but that's how much I love the movie and my love of sharks wow tell me about cage yeah. diving yeah <laughs> because like to be fair in the movie one of the characters goes into a cage and it doesn't go very well from, no. I think it would have no. put me off cage diving yeah, and this yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cage goes in the water, man goes in the cage. <laughs> I love that. I love that line. Yeah. I love um, and so I, I was traveling. Uh, I was doing a trip around the world back 2001, and I was still a young enough pup. And I went to a place called uh, Hermanus in South Africa on the on the oh, on the garden route where you used to do all the sh- uh, the sharks uh, shark diving. There's not so much anymore for for uh, a different reason but when i went there it was still happening and um basically we went out the, there was like it was actually a bit nuts right we were on a kind of a, a ship more modern but similar size to the to the order <laughs> <The Orca. Okay. laughs> a bit, li- little bit bigger a little bit more modern you know and we were on it but there was mad swells like there was it felt like five meter swells going up and down and then everybody was feeling a bit ropey and everybody bar maybe the captain got sick which was nuts right and then we were out waiting for about three hours um they were they were chumming and chumming and chumming and they said no they will turn up and about after three hours then we saw we saw the first one and they give you these polarized glasses so you can see them obviously you can see their fins and stuff but when you put the glasses on you can actually see the whole shape and outline of them and then what was funny was all of us trying to put on our our wetsuits because uh, that was can you imagine with the swells going up and down how hard it is to try and pull on a put on a, a wetsuit and then they I, I, I was like okay so what's the story with the cage and your man said the, the cage that we're going to put out we attach onto the side of the boat as opposed to the one in Jaws where it goes down you know like down down you know yeah. I was like okay alright so I was you know I was unsure and then I said to your man um, so what's the story where's the where's the top of the cage you know and he goes oh there's no top of the cage you know and I said what do you mean so he goes the top of the, the so instead of having a top it's on the water line so basically you're, you're you're completely under the water you've got a bar to hold yourself down 
and then the sharks go around you. And I was like, has the shark ever gotten in? into a cage this way and they said not with us oh god <laughs> then I saw I saw a YouTube video of one doing that you know oh so, god yeah 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 it was, and it was mad and it didn't turn out too well for the, for the shark the person got out of it but anyway I, I should say it was an amazing experience uh, one, one went by probably that was about four metres long I was oh, with god. two lads crazy Australian guy and um, another uh, Irish friend of mine and um, so what they would do is they would get the, the huge tuna by the way the shark one of the sharks sliced through a, a big big tuna like it was just you know hot knife through butter it was actually a bit mad how you know how much it cut easily it cut through it and then they they dragged the, the tuna bait over to the cage and then it came right up to the cage and put it into the cage and you can put your hand oh on God. its hand on the tip of its nose. I the would was, in my eye. I'd be yeah, gone. Yeah, See you yeah. later. Get me out of there. Yeah. No way. Oh, <laughs> well, my I God. Kind of, I, uh, it, was, it was a good experience. But I think the cool part was even as it, as it was a smaller one went by just before and it just, you know, it's going by sideways on and you can just see its eye scoping you out as it was going by. Like it's just scoping you out, looking at you, but gliding by, you know, and I'm looking around and my friend's going, this is mad. This is mad, you know. But South Africa's unbelievable. Like breaching breaching whales on the horizon. It's just <laughs> yeah. like the, the wildlife there is, is nuts. But definitely the seeing a great white actually was you know, it was a, it was just such a thrill after being such a fan of the movie for so long. Oh my god. Like I, I like just even as you're describing the eye of the shark, like I mean that's one of the things in Jaws, his cold, yeah. dead eyes. Yeah. Like, like a doll's just, eyes. Yeah, like, it's like yeah, no yeah. emotion there at all. Yeah, um yeah. They no, say no, that, but as it was going by, I was like, you know, it's cold, but it's no, it's looking at us, it's scoping mm. us out. <laughs> so scoping you out. There's oh intelligence my God. there. Yeah, there is, there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I presume you've seen like the rest of us. You've seen this like a gazillion times, then, yeah. Yeah, a gazillion times. Yeah, it's one of those movies that, like, when it goes on the telly, I'll record it or I'll watch it again. I have the DVD. Remember when we all used to buy the DVDs? So <laughs> oh, I have the God. one for the the fortieth anniversary one. Um, it's mad to think that in four years it'll be the 50th anniversary which I think is it's something I'd keep watching again and again I know the shark looks rubbery and all that kind of stuff but it's still as scary as when I saw as a kid and you know you still get the the, the little freaky out bits like the, the whole bit we're at the start with gliding through the water and then that poor poor girl and her screaming and all that you know yeah. it, mm. it would still have I an think- effect wouldn't it Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, one of the one of the things I've written here in my notes is that, like, I love old movies. I love, yeah. you know, anything anything that's good. And one of the this is the one of the I think the first films that I saw where I went, old movies can be good. You know what I mean? And as as well, this yeah. when I saw it, I was young enough to kind of go, this wasn't made for me. This is not a yeah, a children's yeah. movie, you know. And I was probably yeah, a little absolutely. bit too young to see it, but it really does show that that a goods film made by a great director with great actors and a really good script never gets old in fact it gets better with age probably yeah absolutely it is like that cliche the fine wine isn't it i don't think it'll yes. ever be it'll ever be crap you know and i remember uh, I, my sister is not into it and you know she saw it around the same time as me but she kind of would you know pass it off as ah, that, that, that shark movie you know so she just <laughs> purely sees it in the in the vein of like it's a rubber shark that's that's all she can see was she sitting at the wrong part of the table <laughs> when the telly was brought in maybe maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she's two years old well, me, you know i will say as well though although like it's probably you know it is a, like it does sound like a 
movie type movie a real yeah. schlocky kind of movie um, but it's like it's the the mother or the father whichever way you want to look at it of shark movies but you're yeah. saying about the shark looking rubbery and there is indeed like a scene or two where you see the shark but I think they were very clever with how they you don't see the shark too much yeah. uh, and they, they yeah, intercut yeah. that with real footage of a of great whites swimming as well which I so I thought it was used to the maximum effect like you see shark Absolutely. movies that were made afterwards and the sharks look nowhere near as good because they showed them too too much on screen big time big time you know I, I, I liked Deep Blue Sea and even you know the, the stupider ones like 47 metres down I mm. thought The Shallows was good of, of recent kind of shark movies but you're right it's the fact that you don't see it from it's only in the movie five times you only see the shark five yeah. times yeah. which is and it's the same as the book like I went out and I, I bought the, I saw the movie first and then when I was older I went out and bought the book and then I kind of started kind of picking through the differences and, and that you know <laughs> there's a whole kind of uh, mob thing with the mayor that, in the book that isn't in yeah, in the movie. Mm. There's a lot of differences. There's a lot of differences, in, yeah. you know. But the yeah, there's an affair that was put out as well, isn't there? Yeah, there's, there's Ma- an yeah. Affair. Matt, yeah. Matt Hooper was getting a soup. <laughs> there we go. There's the pun for this episode. Yes. <laughs> Please feel free to comment on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's, um, there's a story that um, apparently when the producers. Uh, approached Spielberg with an offer to, to direct this um, yeah. he said that he would do it on one condition that the shark would not be seen for the first hour of the movie so Clever. you know straight I, I, away I think a lot, he knew maybe you know yeah. yeah there's a lot of myths though I mean there's another story that because they had this I think two or three different mechanical sharks and that they just wouldn't work mm. well they wouldn't that work they yeah. made them they made them to work in uh, regular water and then Spielberg insisted on filming in salt water and Mm. because of a difference in the hydraulics they wouldn't work and therefore that necessitated him to kind of be more creative about about how he was going to film it um i think that like like a lot of and we we had a whole episode on movie myths i think the truth is somewhere in between yeah Mm. yeah well the book i've read i i I was saying this to sinead before uh, off air that i've read this is one of the only movies where i've actually gone out and bought books specifically on the movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i bought two books and there's a brilliant one by you might have read it the jaws log by Carl Gottlieb, the, the, oh, the screenwriter, yeah, yeah. the screenwriter, you know, because he he was <clears throat> obviously acting in it. He was writing uh, the script as well, and he, he wrote it direct about two years after the movie, so his memory was still fairly fresh. So he said, "Yeah, there can be inaccuracies with memory, but I've spoken to a lot of other people on the movie, and this is as close as we think we can get it." So I remember when he was saying all about those things that having the three sharks, the salty water, the mm. neoprene, uh, what's the neoprene foam that they use for yeah. the shark that they would touch it up with makeup even underwater how wrong things were going do you know what though isn't it brilliant that everything did go wrong and that they couldn't show the shark for the first <laughs> yeah, hour yeah. well sometimes I mean that's yeah, yeah. Well, you know the problems problems are opportunities but there is Absolutely. a little bit of uh, I wouldn't say controversy but there's a lot of people like people talk about John Milius touching up the script a little bit obviously Peter mm. Benchley came up with the book that yeah. it was based on but I think the film is a wildly different uh, oh completely different you know yeah. uh, thing from that and Carl Gottlieb and and then there's also all the ad libs that people famously mm. talk about on, yeah. on the on the set of it, you know. So it really is a case of the perfect storm, I suppose, of things. Although the filming was apparently not great for a lot of people involved, yeah. that it came up with something now that, like, fifty years on, we're still talking about it. Yeah, because I actually Absolutely. saw a, a, a documentary just on Spielberg's life, just his career in general and stuff and yeah. kind of how what he was going through in various shoots. And uh, he speaks himself as well as a host of stars or whatever. And um, yeah, he talks like, as you're saying there, Niall, about all the disasters that, that went on and stuff. But um, 
he does kind of it's this idea that I mean he was still such a young director starting out he'd only done a handful of films you know uh, he only had one 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 theatrical release before this and then a couple like Jewel obviously Sugarland Express was the first one and then Jewel and he he did an episode of Columbo and something I remember that my dad's a huge Columbo fan oh Oh, I'm a huge Columbo fan yeah that's gas just one more thing that's his go to thing (laughs) I know yeah yeah. absolutely loved it and And another great episode Brilliant. It's a really good episode and another yeah. great seventies series, The Night Gallery, which was the follow up to The Twilight Zone by uh, Rod Sterling. So right. it was a, a kind of portmanteau thing, and he had one episode with Joan Crawford that he directed, and no then way. did Sugarland Express, and then uh, Jewel, and then Jaws. But that's or, sorry, the mad thing Jewel, is, the, with the Sugarland, Sugarland Express hadn't came out yet, and he he got the he got the gig of the people knew it was going to be a good movie, but it didn't do great in terms of actual money until after Jaws apparently mm. but he got Jaws on the basis of Sugarland Express being good and all of the great work he'd done before on telly but it's still mad Sinead like you said he was only he was 26 yeah when he got that. so that young nuts? and mm. like you know to think oh I'm going to go and shoot it in the open water in the sea yeah. like that was never done before as well mm. and just like could you imagine right this mechanical shark everything's going wrong mm. like you'd be just mm. absolutely shitting yourself like this is going to really make or break yeah. your, your, your career and he clearly yeah. can think on his feet uh, and he comes up with absolutely. this unreal you know, suspense, uh, tension building scenario out of the disaster of <laughs> let's not show the shark. Let's show a let's yellow barrel. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know as, what I mean? As well as that, as it, you know, it's it's directed so well. Like I, I went on and watched a couple of the sequels afterwards. And the difference mm, is it's fundamentally a similar story. <laughs> but the but the, the way it's directed and even the way he finds little intimate moments like where the child is, his son is mimicking uh, oh, Roy Schneider. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Like, little touches like that really just make you root for the character more, add a bit more uh, depth to it as well, you know? Yeah, and yeah. that apparently that was a, an improv because they were hanging around waiting for the shark to work. <laughs> so it's like, what can we film? What can we film while we're waiting for the shark to work? And it's, you know, they probably had a lot of like little bits like that, you know. Yeah. But it is. It's what other little bits they didn't use that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but it is the difference, as you say, Ross, between that and the, the sequels and other like there's been so many rip offs to this day. There's still you can't make a shark movie without being in the like, shadow of even, Jaws. Even the Meg, yeah. even the Meg yeah. was out a couple of years ago, Jason alludes to it in the poster. Uh, the Jaws cover has a shark going for a diver and then going for the, the great white shark is the, the Meg. <laughs> the old yeah. Store. Gas. Uh, My kids yeah. like that movie, but it was it's funny, but absolutely <laughs> no blood in it, apart from maybe a little bit in one scene. Um, but yeah. it, was, uh, it was at least. You know what? Out of all of the recent ones, it was a bit of fun. Better than the oh the, oh, the tornado ones. What shark? Oh, what, what oh Sharknado. The B movie. Shar- Sharknado. Sharknado. Um. <laughs> I've never I've never seen any of the Sharknados. I've not seen the Meg. I've seen Deep Blue Sea. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You see the Shallows? No. Is that, that good? That actually that well. It's it's all right. It's good. It's I'd say it's good. It's way better com- than a lot of the other ones. You know. Um, right. But it's, uh, I, I think something in me when I saw when I saw Jaws and I uh, I I have a very clear memory of going to the cinema to see Jaws 3D and I don't know if it's because yeah. you get your 3D glasses and that's why it sticks in my head and I wondered yeah. did I see Jaws 3D before I saw Jaws because oh I could have just seen Jaws on TV in which case it would have been just on a little black and white portable because I don't think my I parents would have gone yeah. I got the glasses as well, and I remember seeing it. I definitely saw it on TV first, and we had the glasses. So, right. And, and I remember, you know, 
it was it was cheesy, wasn't it? But there were some, you know, a couple of scary bits in it, especially for kind of your if you were only nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. But yeah, yeah, not not but, a patch on not a patch on the other one. No, no, no. But the, there was something I think after after I saw the first Jaws, whenever that was, yeah, that I something in my brain just went. You don't need to see any more shark movies ever. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. I completely get that. I completely yeah. get that. You know. Oh, well, do you know what's mad? Can I can I just say something? Yeah. When I was reading the book, the producers of it, they actually thought that they could get a wrangler to train a great white shark. <laughs> oh my god! To do, to do the long shots, they were gonna they were gonna get a great white, train it up, use it for long shots with a dummy in the water, because they thought at the time, well, we can get we can do dolphins and we can do you know all sorts of mammals and train them up, but obviously, a shark isn't uh, isn't no. a mammal. No. Oh, whatever. Was Jurassic gas, brain, know? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. There's a brain thing going on. But like you said, Sinead, earlier on, getting Ron and Valerie Taylor, or maybe it was Niall, to, to, to send out another crew to get that footage. And I believe that was kind of mm. a year and a half or two years before. It was, a, it, was, it was a good while before the movie had came out. They had thought that far ahead um, with the book being uh, optioned for a movie and stuff. A bit of a stroke of genius to do that because I think that kind of added a whole level of... Uh, believability yeah. to it didn't it you saw oh, the physicality of the shark as yeah. well and I heard a yeah. story which I'm not sure if it's true the first part certainly is for one of the scenes um, the cage diving scene which we were talking about a little bit earlier on um, they have uh, a real live white uh, a real live um, white shark attacking a cage and to mm-hmm. achieve that shot they made a miniature version of the cage and put it into the water and right. it looks incredible in the in the scene but what I heard was that they actually had a little person in the cage um, and the, the one of the sharks actually broke through and, he was, yeah. and after that he was like I'm not going back down there again which is fully oh, understandable again well, that I ain't getting on of, no cage yeah, <laughs> yeah. that could be part of the mythos or whatever but but the the, the, the fact that the shark uh, that they shrunk the cage is down to show perspective and yeah. the real physicality from the thing was very clever yeah I really Jeez. hope the story about the name of the shark is true did you guys hear this Bruce. Yeah, what, the Bruce. shark was Bruce after. Yeah. called yeah. after yeah yeah after Do you want to tell it lawyer. because yeah well, no it's just they just basically said that uh that he because everything was going wrong malfunctioning uh with with the shark they decided they'd call it bruce after spielberg's lawyer so mm. that's really all i know <laughs> and um, of course he bruce the shark turned up down again in in finding nemo oh yes right. he did Can I, yeah. Do you know what? That. My sons watched that today. They watched that today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Just that's a bit of a weird coincidence. And then uh, as I was coming into the sitting room at one point, what's the bit that's on? They said, Dad, look, it's Bruce. When, you know, the Great Whites <laughs> bursting through the, the oh, God. sub or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, that's funny, you know. They had no idea we'll be, of doing this a little bit later on. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Talking about kind of naming the shark Bruce, I I don't know if you've heard this, but the people who were, you know, they were looking for to do the to do the main cast, Charlton Heston was was um, a big name for Roy Schneider's role, and he couldn't really? do it because he was yeah he couldn't do it because he was up to his eyes with Earthquake. Remember the Earthquake? Right, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Spielberg's first pick was Roy after seeing him in the French Connection. Isn't that mad? It yeah, be I, I heard Heston. now that uh, now I mean this is the thing about these movies. There's yeah. so much you know stuff about it that he yeah. wasn't he, he wasn't crazy about him because of the connection with he wanted somebody I suppose. Uh, from the French Connection, he just seemed like a, too much of a tough guy, and yeah. this is maybe something we could talk a little bit about: is the the, the three central male characters in this? They're mm. all very different. You know what I mean? Oh, so mm, different! Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you really like like if I was if I was looking for Charlton Heston to play any part there, and he would have been terrible. <laughs> it would have yeah. been Quint. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's yeah. a weird but, one, isn't it? 
But what mm. about Robert Shaw? I mean, doesn't he have, first of all, the best like introduction to the character <laughs> with, the, with the nails down the blackboard? I've seen I mean, it parody so many times. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, amazing yeah. entrance though. It's such a cool entrance. What, what I love about that scene though is, I mean, that's iconic with the nails coming down. But then when you look at him and he's in one shot and he's sitting mm. on this chair and he's got his legs crossed in a very, mm. un, not unmanly way, but just a very casual way. It's like, yeah. you know, and he start, he tells him, oh, I'll catch him for what did, for this amount and then I'll kill him yeah. for this amount, you know. But it's I a great... Him for three, but I... Yeah, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, he I... nearly... Sorry, Sinead. He was... He, it came really close that another guy from Doctor Strange Love was going to was the first pick was this guy called Sterling Hayden. I didn't. Oh know yeah, much yeah, about Sterling him. Hayden, no. brilliant. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't know much about him, but he he was he was a sailor. He was a de- decorated Marine Corps officer. He could he he was licensed to sail ships of a, up to hundred tons. Wow. Technical technical kind of, kind of things, but he couldn't do it because he owed tax to the U.S. government. Oh, so, oh right, isn't that mad? He's, so there's all these little mad. things. He's that, in a great. You know, Western Sterling Hayden, where he plays he? a harpooner, right? Ah. So if you ever want to see a Western where there's a gunfight, where one of the guys has a harpoon, he's like a Swedish harpooner, and I can't remember the name of it now. But no, he's a great. He's also in The Long Goodbye. He's a, he's a mm. he's a one of those that guy actors who I'm very yeah. fond of. But um, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw, Robert what a Shaw, guy. But yeah. you know, there's a funny story as well that I've, I'm all about the stories today. Um, apparently his daughter um, recounts a story uh, of a phone call she had with her dad during the production of Jaws. And she was like, you know, how's yeah. it going and all the rest. And he's really concerned. He says, look, I think this is going to be really, really hokey. Like, it's going to be yeah. so bad. Mm. The shark doesn't even look real. Uh, so he was kind of very apprehensive about the whole yeah. thing uh, then she asked about Spielberg and he goes oh he's a young guy but he seems to know what he's doing so he had faith in him anyway um, but she says uh, yeah he was kind of very apprehensive as, as to how it would be received and mm. yeah not so sure but apparently as well he was known kind of to rewrite an awful lot of his um mm. Yeah, bits in the script and yeah and of course and uh, that famous scene the Indianapolis scene is his rewriting yeah, yeah. He's a. I mean, he's a fan. Uh, we talked. We spoke about him actually on our last guest episode from last season yeah. because we were talking about from Russia with love and Brilliant iconic. Movie. He's in that I was talking movie. About yeah. this How good. He right. just got that threatening quality in all the movies yeah. where you think mm. he absolutely. Can yeah. And um, I mean, tragic life. We didn't talk about it in that episode, but mm. I wonder if it played in. Like he found his father who had drunk himself to death and taken pills at the age of 12 he went in and found him dead oh, you know crazy. and then tragically his life went in a similar fashion but uh, you know a really like one of those actors I think who straddles that kind of era of you know he would he would have been equally at home in say 60s cinema and 70s cinema when you were looking for more yeah. complex characters you know mm. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, as I as I mentioned absolutely. there, like in terms of his like, um, you know, his great entrance and he has a great exit. And I just watched that scene again yes. today, just in pre- preparation. That oh, yeah. is a gruesome scene. And mm. it's actually quite difficult to watch. I don't know if you guys, um, not even just for the blood and guts and everything, but how he goes, yeah. you know, in the mouth of a shark. And also it's the one kind of yeah. part of the movie as well where it's deathly silent like you don't have the music and the shark is just yeah. going at him and you can actually hear the shark crunching and all sorts of crunching, it's actually yeah, fairly horrific like 
But to be fair, yeah, when when Quint isn't going to die peacefully at home in beds, no, you know, that's true. Family, like he's going yeah. to die being ate by a shark by, while still trying to hack it with a machete, and I think that's the way he would have wanted to go as well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that oh, I think great, that yeah, yeah. that speaks to why this movie is still talked about, and you know the the sequels aren't, and maybe some of the you know the rip offs aren't. It's because mm. of the characters, you know. It is mm. these amazing performances. And the fact that there's such heart to this movie, you know, the, these characters are, whether or not you call them likable, I don't, well, yeah, I think they are. Yeah, I think kind you of, would. Yeah, but they yeah. seem to be, you know, that you really get a sense of them and especially those three main guys, uh, the differences and their dynamic. Um, so it's so so much more about kind of watching this shark swimming around, you know, when well, you've it's got... it's kind of like a bromance with the two, with yeah. Hooper and, mm. and, and Brody, isn't it? And then you got Quinn yeah. as a kind of madman. <laughs> and when out. any of them are in danger, you're, you're kind of going, oh no, don't, don't yeah. be careful. Don't get killed yeah, by the time. shark. Yeah. Mm, big time. Just Sinead, what you were saying a second ago about uh, the way he died so gruesomely. Well, in the book, the shark dies of ex- exhaustion and he, he is attached with a harpoon to the dead shark, he's kind of caught up like uh, like uh, Ahab was in yes. Moby Dick, mm. and he he's dragged under and and drowns. But I think the genius of of the movie was and and of the the, the screen the script writers and all that jazz was that they said, okay, how can how can we make this as memorable as possible? And obviously, what the way you've described it, the crunching and that's mm. disappearing into his mouth and it's sliding down, and he's trying to he has his hands out and he's trying to, to hold on for dear life, but he's just. You know, it's inevitable. He's got going into this shark's mouth. It'll always stay in people's heads, won't it? And then that's the oh, beauty yeah. of, of And how how did you get into a shark cage after seeing that? That's my question. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a man for stats, so I'd be looking around. Oh, okay. I, I was always asking, no, do, have people died? You know, have, has anybody died on any no, of your Not trips, on you know? this tour, they not haven't. Not on this tour. Yeah, not today. <laughs> <laughs> not today, you know. Yeah. No. I'd be uh, curious. I, look, I, 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 you can get hit by lightning quicker than you can by getting killed by a shark you know so it depends where, yeah. it depends where you are <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. if you're on a golf course you'd be surprised you know during a thunderstorm yes. you'd be surprised if you got attacked by a shark then well then you'd know you're in Sharknado 5 yeah yes. that's true yeah, set in the golf course but yeah, um, but the, I talked a little well, like I mentioned the, the fact that there was sequels and you said you'd actually went on and watched them as well is that right mm. Oh, I watch all of them. Yeah, I watch. All, I think I, I watch all shark movies. But like you said, against you know Jaws is the benchmark, and you kind of you laugh. Like there's been bits of the second and third one I liked. The fourth one was just rubbish. You know, the shark having you know the, the what Jaws for the revenge, following yeah. him to the Bahamas <laughs> or whatever. Now, ridiculous. now, Michael Caine <laughs> would say that. That movie paid for my house in the Bahamas. <laughs> he did. He did. Sure, yeah. he did. I love Michael Caine. He's, he's probably one of my favourite. Ah, he's amazing. But mm. yeah, crazy movie. But uh, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, when you were saying Apparently, it. he accepted his role like um, uh, after seeing the first line of the script, which was uh, Fade in Hawaii or Fade in Bahamas. <laughs> he's like, yep, I'll Sold. sign up for that. But he That's actually it. missed out on the opportunity to... He had won a Best Actor in a Sporting Role Oscar for Hannah and Her Sisters, but he oh, okay. couldn't accept it because when the ceremony was being uh, held, he was actually on location filming Jaws, The Revenge. <laughs> it's gas, isn't it? Oh, uh, how your career goes, Michael Caine. Madness. No, that's, I mean, he was always one for them, one for us, one for them, one for us, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah he's, a, he's a jobbing actor. It's, you know, I find it hard to, you know, to, um, to, 
uh, criticise his choice Big because time. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he seems he quite happy with... on deadly ground with Steven Seagal. There's yes, and her sisters. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he also, I think, he elevated that movie as well. He's uh, jaws to revenge. had on her sisters. Yeah, he was yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> but it could have been terrible without him. <laughs> he was definitely like a great, uh, you know, character in it. And he, like, he, he was the in, he was the interesting thing about Jaws: The Revenge for me. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He was the class. And have you? I mean, I I watched a little bit of. Um, I got uh, into a little bit of a, a Google uh, rabbit hole about uh, rip-offs of George or of, of George of Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which came out kind of within the next couple of years, if you like. So yeah. I watched like Orca. Orca the, Orca the Killer Whale I watched yeah have you yeah, seen Orca Killer Whale I liked it <laughs> Do you know what I enjoyed and I think yeah. it's it's very unfair to call it a, a rip off because it probably was I I mean famously I think Dino Dolorentis who is never mm. shy of you know getting a quick cash in on, on what was popular yeah had seen Jaws and then phoned up his producer and said said find me something in the water that's more deadly than than a great yeah. white and that's where Orca the Killer Whale came from um, and uh, I don't know Sinead and Ross have you seen Orca? No I haven't No I've seen oh. Free Willy and he, he wasn't terrifying <laughs> at all Well I tell you watch Orca and then you'll find out uh, yeah, this yeah. 1977 so it was two years after Jaws it came out and if you wanted a movie just about Quint then this is the movie because Richard Harris in this plays Captain Nolan, who's a, a Irish Canadian and his job is catching marine animals to give them to, you know, Marine World or wherever. Or uh, And um, he ends up in a kind of a revenge fueled mm. uh, feud with uh, a killer whale. Yeah, but it's actually really quite good and it's got a great yeah. score by Ennio Morricone. And, oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, some of the, some of the shots are like, it really puts you in the head of the killer whale, if that makes well, sense. You know what? The <laughs> yeah. mad thing is now, I don't know. See, like I said, I do like my sharks and I'm always, I always look out for great white stories and stuff. You've heard about these couple of, uh, that there's a few killer whales going around hunting great whites. That, have you heard the story? No. no. Is, so there's a there's a pod of uh, there's a pod of killer whales and they've worked out <clears throat> they do it in tan they do it side by side so they grab one grabs onto the pectoral fin which is the side fin of the great white the other one comes so it can't it can't maneuver or turn the other one comes along and it slits it bites into the side of the from the gills of the great white back and it's what what it's looking for is the liver because shark's liver is supposed to be unbelievably fatty and full of mad nutrients and they found carcasses of great whites um, washed up without with with the thing and if you google it now after the after the podcast it'll come up so i it was me being a huge jaws fan i always went, no great whites are at the top you know yeah. but really i think killer whales are because if they're working in tandem and they're taken down relatively big yeah. whites like wow. that it's the nuts. thing about there we the go. thing about that though is um you know killer whales yeah i've heard i haven't heard that particular story before i heard they do kill great whites on occasion and that mm. they are like the one of the most lethal if not the most the lowest lethal uh, creatures in in the sea but yeah. they look so cute compared to a great white. You know, they're like I've, they're like pandas of the ocean, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I find it hard. That's to how they get you, Ross. That's how they yeah, get that's you. That's how they get you. They lure you in, and then they come up on the beach and get you, like they do in Argentina. Is now the time for me to pitch Free Willy Seven, the the harrowing it's called. <laughs> so basically, Free Free Willy comes back and kills whoever the kid was, and from Free Willy, it's a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. And yeah. Michael Madsen then Michael has Madsen, to yeah. seek, seek revenge. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds oh, hardcore. Did you see Blackfish, hardcore. the documentary, the one about? No, the I haven't. I've heard about That's it though. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah that's amazing that's a that's a, that's a brilliant sorry can we just I'm... note it in the log ross on uh, it's half nine on the 20th of uh january 2021 and niall has admitted he hasn't seen something just right there there <laughs> right down there in the log just in I'll case you forget it I'll take it's a documentary <laughs> that's why it's a documentary oh <laughs> uh, um uh, judging you know from kind of what you were saying as well there you know about score and in different uh, mm. things that we were chatting about there Niall um, that like obviously we have to we can't talk about this without talking about the amazing minimalist yeah. two note score well <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it minimalist I know the theme certainly is, yeah, but the, the theme score is, itself yeah. is fantastic like it's oh, not yeah. it's yeah no I mean yeah, no, I mean the, the, the shark's coming the main theme yeah, yeah I mean that is the like one of the most iconic pieces of music from cinema and mm. certainly one of the most effective pieces of music connected to I suppose we can call Jaws a villain so yes. apart from maybe you know Bernard Herrmann's is certainly up there love the music I'm a big fan of John Williams and I love I love people who score score soundtracks and who just seem to bring something else to it. for me I obviously love the theme the main theme the bit that I really really love as well and musically in it is do you remember when they all set out on the orchid oh and, I have it in my notes that, out to sea and it starts off really jaunty and then really goes jaunty really dark because that's yeah. one of the things about the movie you've got the horror elements but you've got an, there's a whole adventure element of it yeah. Movie yeah. As well, going out to find the big baddie in the water you know and that music Music is absolutely it's amazing. one of my favorite tracks of john williams any of his uh, any of his his tracks but it's yeah. certainly it's it's really good and it, it, it as you say encapsulates i think a lot of the whole film in just one piece of music in just one piece and even in the last kind of you know the the bit where they're the, the the movie's over and they're on the they've gotten the two barrels and they're paddling back into sea there's a music that plays along with with the two lads um paddling back it's just brilliant you know so there's not John Williams did what Spielberg did. There's, nothing is wasted. He everything no. is everything is amazing. And like for me, there's not one scene, and I go in that. I go, I don't like that scene. And it's the same with the music. I love the music all the way through. Yeah. It just elevates the movie. Again, it's just how fortuitous is that it all came together. To, yeah, to yeah. I think Spielberg himself kind of has said that fifty percent of it of of the the success of the film is down to John John Williams. Oh God, yeah. yeah. You, you can Could watch you imagine scenes. if somebody else had it done it like I mean it just wouldn't yeah, be the same Yeah, and like this was he had worked with a different composer on Jewel um and he'd worked with John Williams on Sugarland Express. So yeah. but this is I think the the movie that really solidified their performance or their their collaboration mm. I should say together. Mm. Um but Absolutely. uh you can see some of the some of the scenes without the music and they're just not like on YouTube you can you can kind of go without the soundtrack and yeah. it's just not, it's not as same. as impactful yeah no and I think everyone who's ever watched that movie I remember for 10 years after I watched that as a kid anytime I got into a pool beside someone I'd be going <laughs> do do <Yeah. laughs> uh, it's true isn't it it's true it's, it's, it's unbelievable like you know there's not many movies that you can from hearing a couple of bars of a song you go I know what the, what movie that is straight away mm. and mm. I feel yeah. it, that I'm in danger yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a little known fact actually about that because it was John Williams who wrote the score and of course you'll memorise it you'll know it it goes like this he has his guitar <laughs> I love it <laughs> but a little known fact about it was John Williams wasn't the first person to ask or wasn't the first person asked to write a score for it the first person who was asked was actually Elvis and he has one that went like this <laughs> <laughs> lies <laughs> brilliant oh crikey but then of course they said that wouldn't work so they said then ask Frank Valley 
and he came up with something like this more similar <laughs> oh I love it <laughs> take a bow Ross take a bow who's, who's editing this episode uh, it's me so that's okay that's cut, cutting room floor actually you know it's 2135 <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's a fantastic watch and um, do you know uh, we, we do a segment on the on the radio with Niall um, where we invite my daughter Dirin, who's 15 on to Brilliant. kind of uh, give her take on what myself and Niall think are like the ultimate classic kind of movies that she should yeah. watch and she watched Jaws and unlike your sister Jason she was absolutely <laughs> just loved it she couldn't like the bits where she was um, supposed to be screaming and looking away she was doing yeah. all of that um, so yeah she was so it still it still stands still you know, it still stands a test yeah. of time doesn't it oh it, do, it does it really, before, really does before we finish and that's a perfect point to finish yeah. but I always just just one more thing just one more thing <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark Remode who is also a podcaster I've, I've not heard of him but no um famously has said that uh jaws is not about the shark apart from the bits where it's about the shark (laughs) (laughs) he he reckons that the movie and i don't know how much of this is serious or tongue-in-cheek that it's about infidelity now i think that's looking into the the novel a little bit more yeah but um if the shark in jaws represents something more than a shark jason Mm. what do you think it is well good question interesting question I remember reading from the books that in the 70s, the huge recession that was going on and that, um, you know, which actually shows up in that Amity isn't in as great shape as it was. And they were trying Mm. to get that across, that it was a kind of a fade in seaside town and they wanted to get the whole economic side of things from the 70s on. Um, They did say that, and this was a theory, I don't know if I subscribe to it, that the whole shark thing was, you know, alluding to the financial crisis that was happening in the 70s and people were losing their jobs and how bad times were and it was coming for you if you haven't lost your job it, it might happen but I don't know I'm not I'm not 100% sure I just still think it's a brilliant adventure movie with a big old bad shark in it <laughs> and Wait, there we go think, there... Niall what do you oh, think oh okay you're going to spoil it now by asking me <laughs> yeah well you asked the qu- you, got, yeah, you kind you of asked, got me intrigued oh, okay yeah. okay yes, no, I just thought that was that was a he lovely edit point there <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm kind of with Jason there. I think it, the reason that it's such a, a rich story is that you can read what you like into it. And um, like some of the things, it's vaguely based. And I don't know, like it's not really, I don't think Peter Benchley was looking at this. But the, there's a play by Henrik Ibsen called Enemy of the People. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. No. No. It's about a, a spa town in uh, Sweden. Uh, and it was written in 1883. Um, and the water gets poisoned and the mayor you know a doctor goes to the mayor and says we've got to shut this this down and the mayor it's all about the mayor saying no no it's our it's our economy we've got to keep it going um so you know you could argue about that the whole idea of uh commerce against the the good of of the community um you could you could argue and we spoke about the three the triumvirate if you like of 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 male characters at the center of this uh, that it's about uh, masculinity in crisis mm. you know mm. you've, you've got yeah. like a lot of different things going on there I think really if it's not about a big shark eating people then it's about uh, it's about fear and how to overcome fear you know yeah. every character is afraid of something in this and yeah, that true. goes from you've got Ellen Brody uh, afraid of her husband what's going to happen to her husband and, and her, her kids you've got 
Chief Brody, who's afraid about his responsibility, if you like. You've got the mayor afraid of what's going to happen to the town. You've got uh, Hooper afraid that he's not living up to what a man should be or, you know, that yeah. that, that Quint doesn't, uh, doesn't respect him. And you've got Quint afraid of just basically, you know, of being in this situation again with a shark when he talks yeah. about, you know, his past... So yeah, I think it's it's about fear probably, and that's what the shark represents fear. Well, it, and it helps that it has it's a giant monster with big fangs. <laughs> yes, it's the kind of thing that fits well into like any metaphor though. Anything you're afraid of, like the shark mm. could be COVID, water could be a lack of social distancing, the mayor <laughs> could represent all these people who don't want to, you know, <laughs> protect themselves and other people. Yeah, Absolutely. so you could really yeah. fit that yeah. into anything. Oh, well, that, totally. that's that's what a metaphor is, Ross. That's what a metaphor is. <laughs> yeah, can I? Can I? I have a. Sorry, this is a movie has just has so, so many stories to it. The, the mayor for me is brilliant. Oh, I, I read a brilliant story in it. Um, so he was apparently Murray Hamilton, famous theatre actor, and he got the movie. And you know, he had to go back. He was due back to um, to star on Broadway, but. The, the story goes that it was getting tighter and tighter and the movie was going on and on you know in terms of shooting and it was all kind of going wrong he was starting to drink more and more heavily as it was going on one night he was coming back from being la- leathered drunk <laughs> and he he bent down and he thought he was petting have you heard the story before? No, no. he thought he was petting a small dog Uh-oh. and then he saw there was a white stripe on the dog it was a skunk <laughs> a skunk fu- full spray on him he was staying in the in the inn whatever that all the, the crew were in he went in he didn't really know what was going on went upstairs then he thought the smell was coming from the room he went back downstairs with a blanket into the foyer of the of the inn and he wrapped himself up on the couch and then all of the guests then and the next morning were coming and going what is the smell what's oh, going oh on God. and apparently it took him about 12 showers to get the smell <laughs> off him you know and he didn't drink as much I thought, yeah. thought that was so he's drunk as a skunk yeah he's drunk as a skunk, yeah, as a skunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love that one oh, that's no, not that's as good as your earlier one Ross sorry I'm gonna have to cut that one out <laughs> your earlier one was better okay, one just... pun per episode one pun per episode okay so this is the portion Jason where we call it this is your movie life okay okay so my first question here is what is your earliest movie memory um, well I've got two so the first one was we used to have a cinema I'm from Lucan and there was a, a cinema in Lucan village and it was seeing the never ending story <gasps> oh in yes in that old cinema so I think that might have been around 84 and I, I think I was 6 at the time I could be wrong I think it's 84 and um, it just stuck in my head seeing that and the other one really weirdly and I don't know why but I remember I was brought to do you remember the Adelphi cinema in, in city centre so yes went this, now this is the weird part but I've got a good I've, I've a really weird memory for, for certain things and I went I'm, I'm sure this sounds bizarre but it was a Magnum P.I. F- uh, feature length episode or it was a few episodes together I don't know why they would have a Magnum P.I. Uh, <laughs> festival on in the Adelphi but I, I can remember crystal clear going to see it strange one isn't it but they're my That's two earliest cinema memories weird no Oh, Are you sure it wasn't weird. just another Tom Selleck movie that you just thought no. was Magnum P.I.? Because sometimes <laughs> it could be, it could I get be, confused. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I remember going to see the the terrible, well, I have a, a soft spot, Spider-Man uh, TV show and they would edit together two TV episodes and show them in the cinema here in Drogheda. Well, so. maybe that's, what, maybe that's yeah, what they did with this. Could have been. It had the Ferrari in it as well, I remember. Vividly, right, well, then it must be. It must have been. Maybe go. they just joined. Maybe the logo. I sound weird, but there you go. That's an interesting way to watch TV, though, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? Shows. Yeah, it's cool. 
I, and I have to say, I have a, a massive soft spot for the never-ending story. Absolutely love those films. Yeah, really? well, I have a big problem because the result of my lawsuit against them for false advertising <laughs> is still pending. Oh, very funny. Because yeah. it did it. Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. It's, like, it's like the person who tried to sue Drive because there wasn't as much <laughs> enough driving in it as well. Um, okay, so the second question. Uh, film you brought a first date to. And right, if you have a story well, around that, yeah, well, this good. is a mixed bag. I'll, tr- I'll try and run through it. Um, uh, they're all kind of weird. They're all good. I cringe even thinking about this. Uh, so one of them was Schindler's List. Speaking of Stephen. <laughs> 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 oh. 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 And Schindler's List, List ever got such a, a raucous laugh. Is that? <laughs> Guess what the movie I went to see the following week after oh, was? Philadelphia so. probably, was it? No, <laughs> really no, grim. It was something completely... Imagine a movie so toned. How do you, how do you follow up Schindler's List? It must you follow be it up with something. Cool Runnings. Oh, yes! oh that's a good date movie, yeah. yeah. That was a good date movie. Now, You're sending she, her mixed messages if it was the same <laughs> movie. No, you're just showing you're a well-rounded individual and somebody yeah, with a lot yeah. going on. Uh, I went to see Old Boy with my wife now. Um... Do you remember Old Boy, the Korean movie? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mad. All of the mad things that went on in that. She still says to this day, she goes, you brought me to that movie. I considered breaking up with you on the basis of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming that was the original and not the remake because the remake original. would be, we're definitely breaking up. Yes. <laughs> no, I didn't. I purposely, even though I like Josh Brolin, I said, I'm not, I'm not I, I, I liked the first Old Boy, even though how mad it was, you know, mm. definitely more of a my kind of a movie than she just hated it, you know, absolutely hated right. it. But the ironic thing is, all she watches is now on telly is uh, on Netflix is Korean soaps, Korean programs. Oh. She's hugely <laughs> into Korean programs like Crash, Crash Landing into You and all that. There was a really, oh, I was working in the Golden Pages and a friend of mine, Scottish mate, said, listen, I have this uh, American friend of mine, you know, um, she, uh, would you be interested in going on a first date with her? He says, you know, she's pretty, she's good looking. I said, uh, yeah, I'd never actually gone on a, like, a, sorry, a blind first date, a blind yeah. date. Mm. So, um, so we said, yeah, so we, she said, he put us in touch and then we ended up going for um, a bit of dinner into the IFI, the Irish Film Institute, and we were enjoying that. And that was going relatively well, you know, but what we wanted to see wasn't on. So she said to me, bear in mind, she's American. She said, let's go down to the screen cinema. Remember the screen used to be open? Yeah, yeah. Street. Brilliant. Lovely. Yeah, brilliant cinema. And we ended up going seeing it. And this was, in retrospect, bad idea. Went to see Boland for Columbine with... Oh, oh God. God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant movie, brilliant, you know, for what it was. But uh, she kind of came out just... She picked it. She picked it, you know. But I was like, <laughs> maybe I should have said, you know what, let's go for something lighter, a little yeah. bit lighter there. But the film kind of buffing me went, no, I really want to see this movie, you know, at the de- at, to the detriment of how this night's going to go. And then, anyway, so long story short, she was shell-shocked at, at, at the end of it. And that really was it. We never... <laughs> it, the date what never did she expect that. going yeah. in? I don't know. I bowling clearly <laughs> well what, yeah, yeah. what's what's the farley brothers one about bowling did you think it was that you know with the with bill murray the amish oh, i love that movie that's oh, what what's that kingpin. kingpin 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 yeah. that's it yeah, yeah. bill yeah. murray in it absolutely amazing yeah yeah <laughs> and i was I'm sorry one last one as well because obviously movies have had such an important part in my life i remember me and me and maria my wife we went on an anniversary and do you know what we saw room room oh, oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> so she she enjoyed it but maybe not as much maybe not, not 
uh, an anniversary movie, you know. It's no, yeah. it's not old boy though. Let's you know. It's not uh, old boy. You've <laughs> got stick to romantic comedies if you're yeah. going. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that, I know that was one of the questions. What kind of movies don't you like? Well, that 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 the romantic comedies are. You know, okay, don't, go, don't, don't go too far ahead because first we want to know <laughs> what movie made you cry, Jason. Right. Well, I would say probably any Pixar movie these days makes me cry. I saw Soul. Mm. There was a bit in Soul. I'm sure I got a bit weepy. Did you see that at all? I haven't, I haven't watched actually it yet. Seen I haven't. It, no. oh, it's lovely and it's so clever. It's like it's like a mishmash of um, Inside Out and um, uh, like other kind of Pixar movies. It's just mm. it's, it's really nice. But the ones that kind of really stick in my head are you know that scene. Do you remember in Up, the one with the balloons, the couple yeah. grown old, the wife passing away. Oh, even, it's in the first five minutes the, of the it. First, like, the first, what are you doing? It killed me. Yeah, yeah. It killed, it killed everybody, didn't it? Or even mm. uh, in the bit in Toy Story where um, uh, Andy's kind of moving on or whatever. And, oh um, God, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, horrific. It's funny. Those ones kind of stick in my head. But like, I, I, I wouldn't be a. You know, I'm sure there's loads of movies where I, you know, you'd, you'd tear up, or I wouldn't be a too hard, like uh, too hard of a person mm. not to get emotional. But yeah. you know that bit is. That bit in Old Boy where he finds it. No. <laughs> I remember three or four bits in Old Boy that were just nuts, you know? Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Mad incest. The, the, yeah. Well, the fight scene was unbelievable. Like, you know, a, a mad old movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, film you wish you'd never seen because it was so bad? Well, I've seen a few over Christmas. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. I really, really disliked Tenet. Um, <gasps> yeah, that's it really get out like get off and the I podcast love, I, love Chris, <laughs> I love Christopher Nolan movies I remember seeing Inso- uh, I remember seeing uh, Inception Inception In- no no sorry the, the, the first one Memento Memento no? yeah Memento. yeah I, I love Memento a date movie in, in the screen and me and my girlfriend at the time both coming out both loving it but we were our heads were all over the place with what was kind of what happened I think everybody kind of walked out of cinema going what but but in an amazing way and I thought Tennis was the opposite of that I just really <gasps> thought I just thought you know what he's he's it's it's a gimmick I didn't like I just didn't like it you know and I didn't really like Wonder Woman 1984 either I thought that was a bit silly now. Okay, we're going to have to... Uh, this episode will come out in calm, three years. Calm down, Niall. Just calm down, Okay, other opinions, on, other opinions are available. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one, one other one. I saw yeah. over Christmas that... Uh, so I said to Maria, I said, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll watch Last Christmas. Do you know that movie? The one with Emilia oh, yeah. Clark from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Have, you, have any of you seen that? I Yes. I reviewed what, it. What did you think I, of it? I thought... It is not as terrible. I'd rather watch that again than I would love actually. Put it that way. Okay. Well, my wife is really into rom-coms and all that kind of stuff. And she said after about 15, 20 minutes, turn this off. None of those characters are believable. <laughs> she watches all of them. She said, do you actually, the only the person we liked in it was, do you remember the woman running the shop? Uh, yes. The lady from yeah, Crouch Michelle Yeoh. If they hadn't yeah. just focused on her and her storyline, I think it would have been a great movie. But I So what, you, what I'm hearing is it yeah. should have been a seven-part Netflix series. Really Maybe. One movie. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know. Uh, okay, yeah. so film apart from Jaws that you watch over and over and over again. Uh, I really like Glengarry Glen Ross. So, oh, yeah. very good. Or Once very Upon good. a Time in America. Um, mm. Comedy oh, wise, brilliant. It's yeah, yeah. The producers with Gene Wilder. Um, yes. I love my sci fi as well. I love Looper, Alien, Aliens. Um, it's very hard, isn't it, when somebody says one movie, isn't it? I know, yeah. Start yeah. yeah. I start going through all the genres and I go, that's that, that's my comedy, that's mm. this, that's that. And were but any yeah, of those, I, because you said you had like two or three that you were toying with for... Glengarry, Glen Ross, yeah. That, right, okay. That, yeah, yeah. 
or maybe once upon a time in America. But now I look back on that, and there's a couple of scenes in that that I always kind of go, did they really need to put that in once upon a time in America? It's <laughs> a while since I've seen it. I mean, I remember mm. loving it when I'd see it when I when I watched it, and I've yeah. seen it a few times. Again, another fantastic ending of Morricone score, great yeah, performances. I think like you know Robert De Niro and gangster movies. It's up there, like among one of the one of the better ones I think too um, but um, I was going to say something really insightful and now I can't remember <laughs> uh, come back to you. it'll come back to you. the it's other one I was going to say was Heat I've always been a, I've loved oh, Heat we only spoke Even, about that in another yeah. episode just briefly mm. again but what a film great movie great movie I think somebody said to me and it kind of shook me somebody went but the women aren't really painted very well in that movie they're all so secondary to the to the guys you know and I went okay that's probably you know you could justify that as a negative but there's so much there's so much good about the movie and, mm. and the dialogue is so so great in parts and the action is amazing so that mm. would probably be up there with one of my favourite action movies I'd have say. you seen because it came up recently we were talking about uh, Thief have you seen Thief by Michael Mann um, with James, no, no, uh, James Can. James Can, yeah, and I, it's yeah. funny. That's one that I've always actually kind of looked. You know, you, you know when you have kind of a list of movies, that yeah, you must, yes. must get around. To. Like the Parallax View was always on my list of movies to see the one with Warren Beatty, and mm. Thief was as well. Never saw it, but it's funny. Like you know, I, my dad would have had movies on growing up, and I would have just sat there. You know, and you there's no Netflix. You you couldn't choose what you wanted. It was your dad's movie, and lots of the old timey movies. Definitely, I think I got into being a film buff because of what my dad had on, had just on, on the box you know but no yeah. Thief I must I must watch it do seek it out I think I think it's up there with, with Heat and I think like there's a lot of uh, correlation between the two and okay. on that note I think it's time to murder a scene it's time to murder a scene and I think Jason scenes as this is your episode you are a very special guest this episode Thank you very much. um am i so special after tennis <laughs> oh you were so special don't worry we're not going to hold that against you at all oh, no. um but uh maybe you'd like to summarize the scene that we're gonna murder there was there was a few scenes but obviously in, in actually there's like three or four scenes in jaws that i absolutely love one was the father-son scene but i couldn't do that one the other one was the one we talked about where quint has been introduced you know scratching the screeching but the mm. third one is the scene in on the orca where it's kind of getting late in the night and they're getting drunker and drunker and they're talking about um, they're talking about they're basically comparing their battle scars mm. and the shark is kind of a little bit away but it's coming and it goes and leads into the Indianapolis story yes very well synopsized well done oh what was it I'm not sure yeah. no pressure <laughs> so here is the actual scene from Jaws Dave you worry about you. It won't be permanent. I see something permanent. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, who? You might feel something permanent. Just put your hand underneath my cap. Just be a little lump. Knock on all on some Paddy's Day, Boston. I got that beat. I got that beat. It's a moray eel. Fit right through my wetsuit. Well, nope, no, listen, I don't know about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in Loki Bar in San Francisco. You see this? No, I can't extend that. You know why? Got to the semifinal, celebrating my third wife's demise. Big Chinese fella, he pulled me right off. 
Look at that. It's a bull shark. It scraped me when I was taking samples. I got something for you. That's the thresher. You see that? Chief Thresher's tail. Thresher? That's a shark. You want to drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink to our legs. <laughs> I got the creme de la creme. Right here, hold on. Hey, you see that? You're wearing a sweater. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. <laughs> What's that one? What? That one there, on your arm. Oh, it's a tattoo. I got that removed. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Mr. Hooper, that's the USS Indianapolis. <laughs> you on the Indianapolis? What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side chief. He was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady. Just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. Eleven hundred men went into the water. The vessel went down in twelve minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger. 13-footer, you know? You know that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Well, we didn't know. Was our bomb mission had been so secret. No distress signal had been sent. <laughs> they didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming, sometimes the shark go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. <laughs> No, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, the average six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. 
bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top, upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, Lockheed Ventura. So he swung in low and he saw us to the young pilot a lot. Younger than Mr. Hooper anyway, he saw us and he come in low and three hours later a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So eleven hundred men went in the war. 316 men come out, the sharks took the rest, June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. And action. That's not so bad. Look at this. St. Paddy's Day in Knock on Olin's in Boston, where some son of a bitch winged me upside the head with a spittoon. Look here, Steve Kaplan beat me during recess. Wire burn, trying to stop a backstay from taking my head off. More, more a ale bit right through a wetsuit. Face and head scars come from amateur amusements in the bar room. This love line here, that's from some crazy Frenchie come after me with a knife. I caught him with a good right hand in the schnott locker and laid him amongst the sweet peas. Ever seen one like this? Bull shark scraped me while I was taking samples. <laughs> Nothing. A pleasure scar. Look here. Slammed with a treasure's tail. Looked just like someone caressing me with a nutmeg grater. I'll drink to your leg. And I'll drink to yours. Wait a minute, young fella. Look. Just look. Don't touch. A mako. Fell out of the tail rope and onto the deck. You don't get bitten by one of those bastards but twice. You're first and you're last. I think I can top that, mister. Give me a hand. I got something to show you. There. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat broke my heart. Let's drink to Mary Ellen. <laughs> and here's to the ladies and here's to their sisters. I'd rather be one miss than a shipload of misters. <laughs> Look at that. Bayonet. Iwo Jima. Come on, middle appendix. <laughs> I almost had him. What's that one there? Uh, tattoo. I had it taken off. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Death before dishonour. Mother, semper fi. Uh, don't tread on me. Come on, what? USS Indianapolis. What's that? A uh, ship? You were on the Indianapolis? Jesus. Yeah, USS Indianapolis, June 29th, 1945. Three and a half minutes past midnight. Two torpedoes from a Japanese submarine slammed into our side, two or three. We were still under sealed orders after delivering the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. We was going back across the Pacific from Tinian to Laite. Damn near 1,100 men went over the side. The lifeboats were lashed down so tight to make the bomb run we couldn't cut a single one adrift. Not one. And there was no drafts. None. That vessel sank in twelve minutes. Now that's all she took. 
We didn't see the first shark until we'd been in the water about an hour. Going very cork here. (laughs) (laughs) You were doing so well. 13 footer. A 13 footer near enough. A blue. You measured that by judging the dorsal to the tail. And we didn't know. Of course, the captain knew. I guess some officers knew. The bomb mission had been so secret. No distress signal was sent. What the men didn't know was that they wouldn't even list us as overdue for a week. Well, I didn't know that. I wasn't an officer. Just as well, perhaps. So some of us were dead already in the water, just hanging limp in our life jackets, and several already bleeding, and the 300 or so laying on the bottom of the ocean as the light went, and the sharks came cruising. We formed tight groups, somewhat like squares in an old battle, you know what I mean? So that when one come close, the man nearest would yell and shout and pound the water and sometimes it worked and the fish turned away, but other times that shark would seem to look right at the man, right into his eyes. And in spite of all shouting and pounding, you'd hear that terrible high screaming and the ocean would go red, then churn it up as they ripped him. And we'd reform our little squares. By the first dawn, the sharks had taken more than a hundred. Hard for me to count, but more than a hundred. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I do know that they average six men an hour. All kinds. Blues, makos, tigers, all kinds. In the middle of the second day, some of us started to go crazy from the thirst. One fella cried out. He saw a river. Another claimed that he saw a waterfall. Some some of them started to drink the ocean and choked on it. And some left our little groups, our little squares. And they swam off looking for islands. And the sharks always took them right away. It was mainly the young fellows that did that. The older ones stayed where they was. That second day, my life jacket rubbed me raw. And that was more blood in the water. Oh my on Thursday morning I bumped up against a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson, from Cleveland. He's a bosun's mate. It seemed he was asleep, but when I reached over to wake him, he bobbed in the water and I saw his body upend because he'd been bitten in half beneath the waist. Well, Chief, so it went on. Bombers high overhead, but nobody noticing us. Yes, suicides, sharks, and all of this going crazy, dying of thirst. And noon the fifth day, Mr. Hopper, a Lockheed Ventura, swung around and then came in low. Yes, he did. Yes, that pilot saw us. And early evening, a big fat FBY come down out of the sky and began to pick up. And that was when I was most frightened of all. While I was waiting for my turn. Just two and a half hours short of five days and five nights when they got to me and they took me up. Eleven hundred of us went into that ocean. Three hundred and sixteen got out. Yeah. Nineteen hundred and forty-five. June the twenty-ninth. But anyway, we delivered the bomb. And scene. Well done. Woo. That was Woo. like Dahi O'Shea doing. Uh, it was doing Jaws, wasn't it? <laughs> what a what a what a fucking buzzkill as well he was for the rest of that party yeah. on the boat. Uh, <laughs> but do you know the thing is, like I'm looking at that, and first of all, when you look at the script there that we did, which is not the shooting script, that it's kind of overwritten a little bit, you mm. know. So I'm not sure if Shaw came in and 
kind of went, well, we don't need that, yeah. we don't need that, mm. we don't need that. But I think my memory of that speech is that he does it with a big smile on his face for 90% of it. Yes. Yeah. And that's what makes it so affecting, I think. Mm. The fact that he... Grin. Yeah, he's got he's got this grin where it's like, I don't know, it, it, you wouldn't call it morbid, but it's it's something that has affected his entire life. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. That that he, he carries with him there. And it affects the two people that he's in that boat with exactly the same and maybe makes them think a little bit more seriously as well about what they, you know, what what they've signed up for, you know, yeah. the reality of it. But I mean, it's a it's a tremendous story that the, the story of the USS in Indianapolis um, and it was turned into a terrible film in 2016 I saw starring the, did you what did you think of it rubbish really bad yeah. <laughs> no it, it, funnily enough for some for something so dramatic that happened in history was so there was so little suspense or anything yeah. to keep actually interested yeah so. and it, it it's amazing that you know that small scene from Jaws is is a better example of this tremendous true story in cinema than a, a full whatever hour and a half film starring yeah. Nicolas yeah. Cage and whoever else but yeah so I mean as you can hear from the speech there 196 crew members were aboard the USS Indianapolis it was torpedoed and sunk by a Japanese submarine 317 survived only and of the 900 who didn't 200 were killed by sharks which averages about 50 men a day um, you know, so which would be Crazy. like one one man every ten minutes getting killed Whoa, by sharks, yeah. and other people just from exposure and from lack of water, and you know, just sea water as well. Basically, yeah. 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 So well, it's it did, the great. It's up Shaw, didn't it, for the whole movie? Once you, once you, yeah. When we when you heard that in the movie, you're like, ah, okay. Now I know why he's such a psychopath. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yes. Now you know yeah. why his whole life is. You know, he he lives he lives in his shack. You know, and he it, you walk into it. You remember all of the the jaws. Yes. Been boiling. Mm. You can see why it was his whole life. You know, he just wanted the vengeance mm. and he mm. was getting paid doing it it's a yeah. great scene great, great scene, scene. Mm. great great movie to pick thanks very much Jason for no problem at all Jason you've at... been a, a wonderful guest a very <laughs> very entertaining guest and absolutely it was fantastic to you know have a, a, a closer look again at such a fantastic movie so thank you so much for taking the time to to chat to us no, not at all. Thanks very much for having me on. I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Even the guitar from Ross, I thought was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, we'll never go in the water again. Till next time, film fans. Bye. Well, I'll see you at the movies when the movies are open. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead, Ross and I'll have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down, having fun and talking movies. Da 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 da, -da, talking movies. You have been listening to the Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.